why are we not allowing ourselves to keep part of our identity when we are expressing in another language? I have, a, I have an advanced level in French, but I can be very um, hard on myself when I make a mistake, when I you know, mix up gender, when I whatever. And I kind of made the connection that when I was teaching English, I was... Uh, I had sort of become that authority figure who would tell people this is right or this is wrong in a language in the same way that I feel kind of frustrated with sometimes in French. So I think I realized that that position of authority in regards to a language also that being that kind of um, all powerful authority figure in English because I'm a native speaker Uh, there was something, something that mirrored, as I said, my own relationship to French, you know, and, and so uh, I, I, I realized that was an important key, I think, to understanding what was not quite right. everyone and welcome to this series of interviews that we are having with very interesting people about languages and other topics. <laughs> um, and I wanted to um, introduce you today to Jessica Sarlandi. She is an experienced language teacher or language and language learner and she's currently completed a certification in art therapy which is something that I can tell you we'll be talking a lot today. So hello Jessica. Hi. <laughs> um, so I guess that the first thing I would like to, to know um, is about what you do, what, what are you doing currently? Give us a little um, explanation of who you are, what you are doing, um, and okay. everything that seems relevant. So uh, I'm American. I live in France. Uh, I was originally trained in the U.S. as a French teacher. So my passion since I was about 15 years old was, was French. So I went to school for French. I taught French in the U.S. And then I came and moved to France in 2011 and started working as an English teacher. So I kind of switched my knowledge of language teaching from French to English, which incidentally wasn't that difficult. I was surprised how, how many commonalities there were between, uh, and, and basically I, I found that teaching a language is, is in essence kind of a, uh, a similar thing reg regard regardless of the language itself. Anyway, so I was teaching uh, English at the university level here And a few years ago, I started to feel that um, that the teaching I was doing was no longer really aligned with who I was and kind of where I was going moving forward. And so this past year, I decided to stop teaching and take, a, take some time to go back to one of my other passions in life, which is art. And uh, this, this year, I've been doing a certification in art therapy and sort of I would say regrouping and figuring out what I'd like to do next with, with the art therapy. Um, and I've had some questioning of if there would be a way to kind of tie that back into language, because I think one of the reasons I felt a little disconnected from myself and the teaching I was doing was that I had in teaching English, I had sort of 
maybe floated away from my original true passion for, for French. And so I think I'm trying to kind of get back to those, go back to the source of, of all those things. And um, yeah, as I said, kind of working on going back to art therapy and exploring, especially in doing art therapy, I've also seen very different ways of learning, very different from what I was doing as, you know, university language teacher. Yeah, and I tell me more about what was of, uh, you said you were teaching um, English and you realized that something was not working and was not aligned. So tell me more about that. What was missing? Well, in the beginning, I really, I really liked what I was doing. Uh, when I first got here and started teaching English, I was so happy to be here. It was an interesting position. I felt challenged. You know, there was a lot to learn. I'd never taught English before, so I really had to Um, you know, anyone who ha is a language teacher understands this. When you teach your own language, sometimes it's more challenging than when you teach a language that you learned yourself because you didn't learn the grammar rules, the vocabulary like a learner. You just learned it uh, in, in immersion. So in the beginning, I had a lot to learn as an English teacher in terms of, you know, explaining, explaining grammar, that, that kind of thing. Um, and I think little by little... Uh, especially because in English, I taught many different subjects. I, saw, I taught scientific English, I taught business English, professional English. And those are all subjects that I'm happy to have had the experience working with, but they're really not subjects I'm personally interested in. So I think after a while, the combination of um, kind of, as I said, getting away from my interests in French, uh, and I think more and more I felt like I was agreeing to teach things because there was a need for it, but not because I was truly invested in it. And I realized over time too, that English as a subject is not, I, I became very skilled in doing it, but I realized it wasn't what I'm really um, passionate about. So that was, that was one thing. And more recently, um, I think I've also linked the fact that I'm an expat here and I speak French and, you know, most of my daily life is in French. I've realized that um, even though I have, a, I have an advanced level in French, but I can be very um, hard on myself when I make a mistake, when I you know, mix up gender, when I whatever. And I kind of made the connection that when I was teaching English, I was, uh, I had sort of become that authority figure who would tell people this is right or this is wrong in a language in the same way that I feel kind of frustrated with sometimes in French. So I think I realized that that position of authority in regards to a language also, this is in retrospect, I didn't really realize it at the time when I was teaching, but in retrospect, that's something that has become clear to me, that being that kind of um, all-powerful authority figure in English because I'm a native speaker, uh, there was something, something that mirrored, as I said, my own relationship to French, you know, and, and so, uh, I, I, I realized that was an important key, I think, to understanding what was not quite right. I totally relate to that as a, <laughs> native, as a Spanish teacher and being a native Spanish and my relationship with other languages, English and French and any other language. And tell me, what is your experience as a language learner? Has your, um, because I know that you, as you mentioned, that you have an advanced level in French, but I know that you are also learning other languages at the moment. Yes. So is 
the approach or the way you learn um, languages now, is it different from the way you learned French or it is um, similar? Yeah, I think it definitely is. I think I'm actually going through uh, a sort of unlearning process right now, honestly, uh, because I started French in high school. I started it through university. So, you know, it was a very academic setting, um, but I loved it. And I was, because I loved it, I was able to go very far with it. And I was really, I don't know, de devoted to doing as much as I could with it, you know, and uh, studying and reading. And I'm seeing now that as an adult, uh, first of all, I don't have the same time to invest in learning a language that I did, you know, when I was a student. Uh, and I'm seeing that I definitely have to be um, not quite as hard on myself uh, in learning other languages because I don't have the time. You know, when I learned French, I was able to come study abroad for a year when I was a student. I spent a year uh, working as an assistant in high school, which I believe you did as well. Um, so I had a lot of experiences I was able to accumulate and my life is not set up right now for me to do, to go through the same process in other languages. And I'm realizing that I don't even have the same, I don't have the same patience. I don't want to go through all of those really um, kind of rigorous steps. So I've learned, I'm, I work, I, I study Italian and I study Russian. Uh, Italian, I did the kind of sequence of basic language courses up to a C1 level. And I've found ways to sort of maintain Italian on my own in ways that feel good to me. And Russian has been an interesting experience. I started learning Russian because I was going on a trip to Russia with my husband. And I was a little bit concerned. As an American, I was not extremely... Um, I didn't know what to expect, but I had a lot of kind of stereotypes and received images, I think, of what it was like. And so I started learning Russian to feel like I was taking a step towards Russia and Russian culture and the language. And I'm so glad I did because it was an amazing trip and it was, it was just so wonderful. And I've continued learning Russian since then. And Russian, I take private lessons, but I... I, you know, plan a lesson when it's convenient for me, you know, it's not every week, it's as it as I want to do it. Um, and I still think there's work, I shouldn't say work, but I still think there's a process I'm going through of understanding how I can really open myself to allowing, um, you know, rather than saying, oh, there's, you know, it takes so long to learn a language, there's so much work involved, really allowing myself to, um, enjoy the process and enjoy each little step of it because that's what's that's what's really important about it yeah and in terms of the art ther therapy we are going to go back into the languages uh, in a minute but I wanted to know more all the things about you first and art mm -hmm. therapy is the present thing so tell me more about um why you started, what was the, the thing that prompted you to, to pursue a certification, and what are you discovering? <laughs> uh, so I decided to do a certification in art therapy because I was, I, I knew in uh, looking for a transition from teaching. I, I've always known that art is, is important to me. I've always loved drawing and painting and, um, and taken classes here and there, but never in a, never pursued it more seriously than, than that. Um, 
And uh, I was working with a, uh, a, a career counselor here in France who, um, you know, pushed me to do some different exercises, different research on the internet. And um, that was a profession that came up. And uh, I thought that that could be interesting, but especially I was interested in if there would be a way to combine uh, creative expression and personal expression with language learning. Because as I said, that's kind of the process I'm trying to work through myself is understanding how how to allow that to be more open and focus more on the process and not the, the product. So that's how I ended up researching and finding a certification. And um, it was a certification that took place this year. I started in September and I just finished in June. I still have a final paper to write, but the actual courses are finished. And um, it has been a really... I would say, first of all, this year of, you know, COVID, I really needed it. I really needed um, that kind of space to express myself and be creative. Um, and it is, it was for me a, a totally different way of looking at art and artistic expression where the focus was really on process and not product. So the focus was really on making something and seeing what came out as you made it. And, um, what I thought was fascinating was that there would often be things that would come out in the art we were doing because it was a very hands-on uh, certification where we did a lot of exercises that would come out in our artwork, things that were, we were not even consciously thinking about as we were doing the art. And it was afterwards and showing it to everyone and discussing it that we realized that, that there was stuff there. So for me, it's been a very a very interesting process. And I would say it's a very, for me, a very, very healing thing to do because it allows you to um, express things without having to use your mind to figure things you're dealing with. It really just, things just come out naturally. And um, you mentioned when you were explaining about the art therapy that it focuses more on the process than on the product. So I do wonder if that's something um, that is applicable to language learning and, and um, teaching. <laughs> what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I think so. Um, I hope so. I would say I'm still working on, I'm still kind of experimenting maybe with how that can happen. I know there are people out there Um, some, some of them I follow on Instagram, uh, and, and yourself included, I would say, who are already exploring that territory of kind of taking language learning into a different register. Uh, so definitely, I think there's a lot of value to be found in, I, I honestly think for any kind of learning, this is a valuable tool to go back to the idea of process, not product. Obviously, there are contexts, you know, when we are students, when we're at the university, it's maybe not always possible to, to always be in that mode, but I do think that it's something we are uh, kind of trained out of. And I think it's a very important, um, uh, I think it's an important way of looking at life differently and not doing things necessarily for the end product, but trying to, to focus on how we do them and what happens as we do them. It's not, it's not easy because it's a different way of functioning, but I think it's important. Yeah, and uh, I, I totally um, agree with you because um, I do believe that there is a space for everything, right? So there is a space for uh, focusing on the end product, 
when we are talking about languages and we are going through university or we are having a work interview or <laughs> we are in certain context where the, the end product is important. But I wonder that if in our daily lives or in, in our lives when we just are our learners are practicing a language, practicing art, just um, the focus should always, I believe, be in the in the process of producing and creating and expressing, right? Yeah, I, th I think so. I mean, um, and I think another reason why that's important is because it um, allows more access to creativity. It, it makes it open to everyone rather than thinking that art, or I know you do, uh, you're doing poetry therapy, right? Right yeah. now? Yeah. I mean, you know, poetry is definitely something that um, I've always thought is kind of cool, but it feels to me a little bit, uh, uh, a little bit intellectual, you know, a little bit, um, uh, maybe not as accessible as, as other, other things. I'm interested in it, but you know, I would, I would, uh, uh, hesitate before sitting down and writing a poem. And it's something I'm, I'm kind of doing more now, but I think uh, it's exactly for those reasons that this idea of process can be really, uh, really beneficial because I think it opens the creative creative process to everyone and not just people who, you know, are comfortable or consider themselves artists or poets or writers or, um, you know, in any any artistic field. And I think that's what's really, really valuable about it. Yeah, and I, I love that you said um, the poetry feels intellectual <laughs> because, and, and I think it's the same with either. And <clears throat> probably um, I think in our society, we have kind of moved disciplines into something that is professional or not professional. And when we are thinking about, when we are talking about poetry, for example, and you mentioning it is intellectual, I used to believe that as well. It's like, well, mm. you are writing, you are using words coming from is coming from the head, but is it really <laughs> coming from mm -hmm. the head? Mm -hmm. And really, it is not. And there is, I think, that's the difference. I think between um, expressing as uh, understanding expression as something that comes out of you, whatever that is, could be a poem, could be um, expressing in a language that you have more or less um, proficiency in or um, expressing in any other art form, you're just, just drawing or dancing or singing. That, for some reason, has been devalued mm -hmm. in a way if it is not professionally, properly, acceptably, produced according to the figures of, of authority that we have appointed somehow. And that ties me up with something that you said at the beginning, you were mentioning uh, in the teaching that you were the authority figure, that you were teaching your, your students, this is the, the way you need to, to, to express in English. And I think that that's quite sad turn that we are taking we are taking all these skills and things that we do to express and taking them into this is the box and when you go out of the box it's kind of wrong yeah I mean I think that um 
that, that definitely mirrors what I'm trying to, the space I'm trying to create for myself. I think right now I'm trying to create a space for myself where I see and truly understand that it's okay to just, um, as you said, not be in the box. And uh, I think, you know, again, we can say that there's a time and a place for everything, but I feel like there isn't much place right now for that idea of creativity and just process for process and, and being, and, and making art. And it's, it's interesting what you were saying about, yes, the, um, us associating certain art forms with kind of an authority and having to be a certain way and doing them in a certain way, because at, at essentially those forms are expressive. So it's interesting that we would have, you know, uh, kind of naturally put them in a very restricted uh, way in which you can do them and express them. But I, I totally agree. I think, um, I think there's, there's can be so much more and so much more um, so much less judgment around all of it. I would love if we remove the judgment yeah. <laughs> on, I, I think judgment is great in, in some areas. We need to discern if something is right or wrong or, in certain contexts, I think that when we judge other person expression, that's where the problem comes, right? Mm. It could be language, it could be any expressive art form that they are choosing to express themselves in. Mm. <laughs> so what happens, I guess my question is, what happens when we unleash our creativity, when we express ourselves artistically when we lose or the fear of judgment what happens hmm. well um i would say first i think i'm still in that process so i maybe don't have a complete um perspective on it yet i think i'm in it uh but what i i for me what has happened um it has made me much more aware of my emotions. It's given me a space to express my emotions. So as I realized that I was no longer in alignment with the teaching I was doing, it brought up a lot of very strong emotions because it was very, very attached to, I mean, so much attached to my identity, you know, both being American, of speaking English, of having moved to France. So there were lots of, um, there are still lots of emotions around that, you know, of frustration, of anger, of, of, of lots of different things and emotions that I realized I didn't really, that didn't feel very good, first of all, but that I didn't really know what to do with. Uh, you know, I think we all individually have our own ways of dealing with emotions, feeling with emotions. I think, it, I think some people maybe recognize or feel them more than others. But I know that I, I, have, I, I do have strong emotions and especially certain ones, like I said, anger and frustration. I, I feel like I don't know what to do with them and I don't have a, a great, um, and, and, and art therapy this year has helped me give a space to that, helped me give an outlet so I can, rather than kind of trying to run away from it, really you know, recognize it and realize it's there. So that's my personal uh, experience with something that's come out of it. Um, and I think on a more, let's provide um, the possibility on a kind of, I guess I'd say more maybe spiritual level of, of sort of healing, but also just allowing, for me, it feels like it's allowing me to, to move forward and not stay kind of stuck where I was. 
the kind of processing what I'm going through as it comes through art. Uh, it doesn't just have to come through art, but that's one way. That's like something now I know that I can do that I can use, you know, to, to, to help things move through. Um, but I think it's just a way of, of, yeah, kind of leaving what we need to leave behind and moving forward. And that's, and that's very valuable in itself, right? Like the, the, just the um, witnessing of emotions and experiencing the emotion, allowing ourselves to experience the emotion, recognize the emotion and, and let it move through us. Um, that is probably one of the best things I think we can we can we can do right because I I do um, like you as you were saying I also have strong emotions and for me for many years I don't know what uh, what would be about you but for me for many years anger was something that I didn't allow myself yeah. to express but not even express it, even to feel. In the, yep. There was a moment in time when anger started coming up and I created a way of not being aware of it, just shutting it down somewhere over there. <laughs> yeah, yep. And that has an impact, right? Um, it, it, over over time, that, that makes you be disconnected with yourself and not being in contact with the things that matter to you and, and that in a way curtails your life, <laughs> your life expression uh, and experience and, and the way you experience your life. So you were mentioning uh, the idea of healing uh, through art, which I totally, totally um, get and understand. And poetry therapy is just another uh, you know, little variant of art therapy. Yeah. Um, I do wonder because languages is something that we both love. How can language be healing? Is there a way of language to be healing in the same way as art therapy? If art, th art is, an, uh, is a, it's a human expression, language is also a way to express. So I do wonder, how can we heal through languages? You know, I think this is something, and this is this is one of the reasons we connected originally. You know, I, I saw what you were doing and what you were um, presenting around language and healing, and I feel like I'm personally maybe just starting to explore that question. So uh, I don't have a very developed vision of it yet. What I would say is, um, like, like a lot any other things in our lives for me language especially my um as talking earlier about my relationship to french and i've realized um in the past year or so maybe that my relationship with french if it, as if it were a person is sometimes quite frustrating because it feels like as i was saying when i was a teacher it's the same idea that french is this sort of all um it's always right right if you were in a, a relationship with a person and the other person is always right no matter what they say, no matter what they do, they are always the standard. And you say things, but sometimes the things you say are wrong. At some point, that's not going to work anymore. At some point, there is going to be a, a problem if you keep staying in that dynamic. And I think that's kind of the dynamic that I have been in in French, especially living here, you know, needing to speak it uh, in daily life. Um, there's definitely a lot of pleasure and joy and appreciation for being able to do it. But there are times where I'm like, I don't, 
you know, I don't care if I got the gender wrong of that word or whatever. So um, I think for me, the healing is just allowing myself to recognize that, to recognize that that's a frustrating situation to be in, that I need to, um, I need to allow myself to uh, almost sometimes see French as if it were a person and, uh, you know, write a letter to it and say, you know, this is really, this is really stupid. Like, I think it's really stupid. You know, this, I don't know, subjunctive conjugation. I don't know. Um, so for me, that's, that's part of it is, uh, just, and again, that goes again, back to this idea of emotions. I think I wasn't even aware of that feeling up until recently. Um, and then I think it also is, uh, I think, you know, things like poetry and writing can have a really big, uh, role because I think it allows us the idea of us allowing ourselves to be creative and use our own words in whatever language we want. I think that that can have, um, uh, a good role too. And, um, I guess right now I'm trying to kind of get back to basics and really go back to what do I really love about French? What feels good about it? You know, what, um, makes me happy about it. So for me, that's, that's where I'm at is trying to, both recognize where, as I said, the relationship is uh, um, unbalanced, but to remind myself of what uh, what I really loved about it and, and kind of why I'm here in the first place. I don't know if that answers completely your question, but that's yeah. my personal yeah 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 no, personal placement at this time. It does, and I do love the fact that you are treating French or any any language as a person. I think it is so important that we do that shift because when we start as you were saying when we start treating the language as a as a person we see it as well or we should see it as an equal <laughs> right yeah yeah mm -hmm. it's not that this person as you were saying is always right well what is we are in a relationship there has an an um uh, I want to say this, it, it takes to, to, to do tango or to dance tango, or I don't know what. Yeah, yeah, do. yeah. Right? So, yep. <laughs> so if you are in a relationship with another language, there is some, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Transmutation or exchange that is happening. So you are taking from them and they should be taken from you. And then that is the expression, Right. Um, I wanted to ask you because that's something that is coming and it is in my mind uh, lately all the time the idea of identity and authenticity in the way um, mm. of when we express in a, in a non-native language so what is your experience the, uh, with, with the other languages that you are um, able to communicate from French, Russian, Italian and in terms of the levels, because we have assigned levels to languages, which is great, um, helpful, but um, for example, just tell me a little bit, what are your levels in, in all the other languages that you speak so that we can have examples? Ah, oh, okay. Uh, the other languages besides French. Uh, well, French is advanced, you said, yeah? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Italian... Um... Italian, I have an advanced level um, in terms of my, definitely in terms of my grammar knowledge. Um, I've never lived in Italy, so that's something I notice, I guess, having, you know, lived in France and spent all this time in, in France, 
uh, I don't have the same automaticity in Italian that I do in, in French, but uh, I'd say I have, I have an advanced, you know, conversational level in Italian and uh, Russian. I have um, probably between a one, maybe starting on an A2 level. So kind of the basics, uh, you know, basic grammar knowledge, working on cases and that kind of thing. So that's, that's where I am more or less. Okay, so um, is there a difference in the way you can express or feel your identity um, through French, Italian and Russian? Hmm. Hmm. Well, I think I feel like I have an identity in French, uh, first of all, because I've been here a while, but I feel like I can you know, tell a joke in French. I feel like I can be funny, maybe not the exact same way I would in English, but, um, and in Italian, it's interesting because I learned Italian here in France. So I learned it in a context, a French context. Uh, so in other words, you know, when the teacher needed to explain something, it was explained in French. So I learned Italian kind of with a French accent. So I think there's still a, uh, Italian, I sometimes still, I think I'm still looking for what that, I'm still kind of shaping and molding what it feels like to me, um, trying to feel in different ways, the ways in which it is truly different from French, because since the two are so similar, um, I think when you start, you, you do definitely have an advantage when you, when you know another Romance language, you know, going into a language like Italian, because there are a lot of similarities. And I think the real exploration starts when you really start to um, see and identify and understand in which ways it's unique. So I feel like that's where I am in Italian and kind of exploring and trying to understand the nuances um, without getting as intense in Italian as I was in French. You know, this year I was taking a, I did a sort of a book club where we would read a book and we would, we could optionally, if we wanted to, we could type a text up about the book and say what we thought about it. So that was a good exercise because I'd never uh, worked in a kind of more formal register in Italian. Um, and Russian, I still feel very much like a, I don't want to say a child, but in Russian, I'm still, you know, working on the, the sounds still, uh, you know, there's stress placement in, a, in Russian, like there's an Italian, so still kind of absorbing all of that. But because I guess of my interest as well in art, I like the, the writing in Russian. I think it's interesting that it's a different alphabet. You know, I think the, the look of it is, is interesting and very different. And um, it's, it's something I kind of have to, um, I sometimes have to remind myself that I want to stick with it because it can feel, uh, you know, as I said, you can be like, well, why, you know, why am I doing this? What's, you know, what's the outcome of this? But I think it's just, it's just interesting. It's cool. And there's so much to, to learn. And what I think is interesting about Russian is especially the, the completely different world perspective you get coming from a Russian perspective. That's what I really found so fascinating when we were in Russia was, Truly, we were, uh, worldview was from a di completely different perspective. And that's what I really liked. And so that's what I would like to uh, bring in more through Russian and understanding the language and, and the culture. Yeah. And um, as you were saying, um, 
there is a different worldview with Russian that is very different from from the one you had. I do wonder what is the connection between um, learning a language that has a completely different worldview uh, from the one you have and and um, kind of um, I want to be spiritual here. What opens up? for you ah. when you uh, start learning or adopting or expressing, communicating in a language that is that brings a completely different worldview? Mm, okay. Well, I guess I want to go just, I have a little tangent I'd like to say about that before I talk about worldview. Um, so I think in the fact of living here in France, uh, it's also been important that I... Um, allow myself to go back to sort of my English identity as well, because I think in my time here to a certain extent that has gotten a little bit lost. And so, for example, at home, I speak French with my husband and um, I may have told you this when we spoke before I, uh, uh, a couple of years ago, I, uh, I got sick before COVID uh, and lost my voice. And um, I went to see the doctor and the doctor said, you know, you're a teacher, um, teachers often need to work on their voices. If you want, I can refer you to a speech pathologist. You can go work with her. She can help you understand how to breathe, how to place your voice, whatever. And I said, okay, sure. So I went to see the speech pathologist and really what we worked on was kind of a balance between my, my literal voice in English and in French. And so for example, she measured the octave of my voice uh, in our first meeting, she had me read things in French and in English, and she had some, you know, um, software to, to kind of test and see scientifically where my voice was. And one of the things she said to me in French is very poetic was, uh, your voice is traveling. Your voice is traveling a lot. Meaning my voice was not in either language kind of really anchored in one space. So I was kind of floating around between the two languages. And what ended up coming out of this was you said, I said, you know, I speak in French at home because that's just the the, that was the sort of way things started when I met my husband. And, um, and she said, you know, if you're tired, just, just speak in English, like just allow yourself to speak in English when you want. And it was, it was strange, but I almost needed someone's permission to say, it's okay. Like if you're tired and if you've had a long day and you just want to speak in English, just speak in English. So I would say part of this for me has actually been allowing myself the space I need to in English, because I think I, kind of assumed I live in France, so I should be able to do things in French. Okay, you know, that's the game. That's that's what I signed up for. And I'm realizing there has to be more space and comfort to allow myself to express my English identity as much as, as my French identity, which I was maybe forcing myself to do a little bit too much. Um, but going back to what you said about worldview, um, I would say that that was, I think, what really got me hooked on French in the first place was I, um, I went to Paris when I was uh, 15 with my French school group. And at the time I'd only had two or three months of French. So I, you know, I could say a few words. I kind of knew how to conjugate some verbs in the present. I didn't know the word for chicken. So really, really basic, basic level. And even though I, you know, didn't have a lot of language knowledge. I remember it felt like, like in the movie Wizard of Oz, when Dorothy goes from black and white to color, like it felt like 
a new dimension was, was opening to me truly. It felt like just even with these tiny little bits and bobs of language that it was so um, making so much more accessible to me. And that's the same. And I feel like that's kind of my motivation with any other language I learn is I get that same impression that even, you know, uh, even if you don't speak a language fluently, just having some basics can really allow you an access that you don't have otherwise. So that's my, um, that was my experience. And I know each time I would try to learn a language, that's, that's my, um, that's why, that's why I would, why I would invest time in doing it. Love it. And (laughs) yeah, Um, well, I wanted to um, bring a question. Um, When you were saying, I I absolutely um, um, adore the fact that your um, speech therapist said that allowed you, give you permission to express in English. I I often um, wonder as as expats, and and I believe that Mm -hmm. there are many of us, it's an increasingly number of migration happening in in the different um, groups. why are we not allowing ourselves to keep part of our identity when we are expressing in another language? So I was having a conversation mm. with a friend, and uh, she's also an expat. Uh, expat, sorry, and she was saying that um, when someone goes to a different country, you you show love and respect by learning the language and expressing in that language. It's totally right. I agree with that very beautiful and healthy but now when we bring the idea that the language is a could be seen as an identity as a a human as someone we are in relation with how is this language and country showing love for ourselves Mm -hmm. at a personal level when we are learning french or we are communicating in french in your case how does french this French entity that we have created, how is, is it showing love to you? What would it mm. look like in your expression? Mm. Yeah, I think um, I think that's uh, what I'm working on right now. I think that's what I'm trying to figure out, kind of how, you know, after... Um, after I said about 10 years here, what does the future look like, but a future that is more comprehensive to, to who I am and where I'm coming from. And maybe, you know, maybe teaching English was a way of doing that because I was definitely, you know, honoring my, my native language and I was getting to talk, you know, often about American culture. So I think, I think in a way that met certain needs, you know, for a time, but, um, you know, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know today. I think, as I said, that's, that's like, you know, French and I need to sit down and have a conversation and figure out what the next, you know, five, 10 years are going to look like together and what we, what we both want out of this relationship. Um, okay, so we are approaching the end. And I want to ask you, what is in the future for you work-wise or um, growing-wise? So what's happening um, well, um, you know, there's not a whole lot I have right now that is uh, set. So I would say the future, what I hope the future is going to be involving is going to be more 
uh, more projects related around art and creativity. Um, and I think uh, allowing myself space to um, integrate language into this when it feels right to me. So I think I need to be careful to not jump right back into um, a teaching situation necessarily, uh, because I think I could easily go back to my kind of old habits I had in that, in that context. Um, but ideally that's, that's what it would, that's what the future would look like for me, making more space for creativity and expression and allowing a process and not so much product. And yet I do, uh, love languages and do love sharing what I know about them and what is important to me about them as, you know, as I think I've said, it's, it's, you know, language is why I'm here, why I am where I am today. And, um, it's brought me so much rich richness and, um, you know, multi-dimensions to my life. So I definitely want to be able to share that. I'm just right now kind of exploring what are the ways I can do that, that really feel like they're, uh, aligned with where I am now and not where I was before. Yeah. So I, I totally relate with that. And I feel that many of us are in this liminal space where I kind of transforming, mm. moving from one thing to another. And I also see that on a, on a bigger scale. Yeah, so, I think so. I agree with you. Happening. Yep. <laughs> yes, <laughs> most definitely. Okay, well, thank you for the conversation. Thank you for your questions. They were very, very interesting. Good, uh, good food for thought. Well, I'm, I'm glad, and I'm, I, I, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you for for sharing um, your experiences. I did love hearing them, and I will. Um, write some notes and more questions and all your details so people can contact you or find find more about what you are doing so yeah that's all for for now okay thank you Maria thanks thank you for this time this is really interesting thank you